Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 65 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend. Now let's get fired up with our guest, John, and I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. John earned a Bachelor of Science in Computer and Information Science from the University of Florida. He started out as an Associate Software Specialist and moved his way up to Director and VP-level positions at multiple companies in the technology world. Welcome to the show, John. Fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life. Wow, Jeff, thanks so much for having me uh, on STEM on Fire. I, I really appreciate it. I'm honored to be a guest with you here today. I've been in computer science for many, many years now, and I've been fortunate in my career to be able to excel at it and, and do very well, uh, to become extremely technical early in my career, and then be able to leverage my technical knowledge as I moved into management, and uh, we can certainly talk about how you how you make that kind of, of career change and how you guide your career in that kind of a path. But thanks so much for having me on today. Yeah, you're welcome, John. Thanks for being on. And, and let's get right into it here. So, you know, you graduated back in around the, the 80 time frame, um, back when computers were just kind of in their infancy. So why did you choose computer, computer science as a degree, as a profession? They really were in their infancy. You're, you're absolutely right about that. And just to give your listeners an idea, the first calculator that I bought cost me right at $100 and basically did simple math. Add, subtract, multiply, divide, squared, and square root. And that was 100 bucks back then. So I started out with a uh, raging interest in nuclear technology, radiation. And I went to University of Florida because they had a nuclear reactor on campus and I was going to be a nuclear engineer. As part of my engineering curriculum, um, I had to take a computer science class. Back then it was Fortran programming. And I remember going through that class thinking, this is so easy. This is so logical. This comes so easily to me. And I was looking around at mechanical engineers and nuclear engineers and aerospace engineers, and these guys were dying. They didn't understand this stuff. It didn't make sense. And I thought, this is kind of fun. I'm good at this. And so the next semester, I took the next two, I took actually two electives that were the first two classes in the computer science curriculum, and I blazed through those. And you know, the, the light bulb kind of went off for me that this is fun. I'm good at it, and I think I can make a living at this. And it was, a, I guess, a, you know, a silly stroke of genius, but that's how it happened. That's how I got into computer science. Yeah, so STEM Nation, listen to what John is saying there, right? You know, he was going to be a, a nuclear engineer, right? That's what he was going to college for. And within the first semester, so he pivoted to something that, that he found very early on, pivoted to something that he found out he really enjoyed and and started down that direction. So you have to be flexible when you get into college, be open to new opportunities, but you still need to get through those those struggling curriculums, which we'll get into a little bit later. So, John, what is your specific area of expertise? Well, at this point, I kind of laugh and, and uh, I kiddingly say I'm in the Department of Useless Management Overhead. Uh, it's not really, <laughs> not really. It's, it's not that bad. <laughs> I hope my boss doesn't hear that. Um, so my expertise is really in telecom, telecommunications, back-end systems. How do we get the computers to do what we need them to do? Um, in the case of the job that I'm in right now, it is how do we make cellular telephones work 
so that when you pick them up and make calls, they actually work so that we can bill you for those calls so that we can um, put put features in place that allow you to um, to get special discounts if you do X, Y and Z um, so that you can actually port your phone number from one company to the next. All of that back end technology is where my focus is right now. And it's exciting in the world of telecom because of where that industry is going and where we see technology in general going. Yeah, STEM Nation, you know, don't let John, you know, fool you with that, you know, useless management. Because if you go actually go up to his LinkedIn profile and look at the types of jobs that he's had in in well known companies, you know, director and VP level, you know, John's humble. And that is one of the attributes that comes out over and over again on STEM on Fire is being humble and not taking yourself too seriously. So so listen to John. He's VP level. He knows what he's talking about and very humble. So thanks for that, John. Um, happy, happy to share everything I can, Jeff. Yeah, thanks, John. So, what is what is one thing in the area you're in the area of cellular technology or anything else? But what really has you fired up today? You know, I think it's the the emerging technologies. Where what's what's going on with technology today? So, so for example, think about wireless telecommunication speeds. Now, we don't think about that on a daily basis. We use our cell phone and it works and we go on with life and we're happy, right? But it was just, you know, 15 years ago, that didn't really exist. And over time, the speeds of telecommunication, wireless telecommunications have gone up and up and up. Today, we have what's called 4G, fourth generation, a gigabit per second. Realistically, running to your phone, maybe 20 megabits a second. Well, already there are standards for speeds 10 times faster than that. You'll see those kind of things coming into the trials in the U.S. later this year. And there's a committee that's already been formed. You could go look at it on the web called Network 2030. This is a group of guys that are looking to see what do telecommunication, wireless telecommunication speeds look like in 2030, right? Over 10 years from now. They've already formed a committee to begin the de definition of what will come next. So then you have a fast telephone. Well, so what? It's not like you're going to talk faster because the bits are coming faster. What's happening is wireless telecommunication speeds are enabling other emerging technologies. So here's an example. Have you ever heard, Jeff, of augmented reality? Absolutely. Yep. So, John, describe what augmented reality is for STEM Nation that may not know what that is. I envision it as if you look at like anything that's kind of sci-fi today, you'll see that they they will look and and see what appears to be a computer screen in the air, and they'll be able to manipulate that with their hand. Or a very simple case of augmented reality. Every one of your listeners has seen augmented reality and not recognized what it is. It's the yellow line you see on the football field. It's not really there, but yet you see it, and it's been blended into the, the visuals that you see. That's a simple example of augmented reality. So what's going to happen is, as wireless telecommunication speeds continue to increase, you'll have a convergence of augmented reality technologies with 5G wireless speeds that will develop into a whole new world of wireless devices and wearables that let you go through life and actually have reality augmented wirelessly 
with images that will enhance lives. Very, very cool stuff. So, so John, thinking of STEM Nation here, right, juniors, seniors in high school that are that are looking at what, what career path should, should I go down? And, and listening to you talk about the augmented reality, virtual reality, and just, you know, the high-speed wireless technology, what what would you recommend if you had to recommend? If somebody came to you and said, hey, John, what would you recommend for a, a career path to, to, to harness this, to get into this? What would you say to them? I would tell them to go into computer science. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, those are the 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 technologies the, the kind of those core technologies even when it comes to wireless telecommunications um, yeah it's it's radio but after that it's all computers um, another emerging technology human robotics did you ever see the movie called I Robot I actually I did not see that one John oh you need to see <laughs> I Robot right I'll have to go check so, that out so it's a movie about human robots they look human and they assist humanity. You know, they start, hey, bringing drinks and, you know, cleaning houses and that sort of stuff. Um, but and robotics have been around for years. Right. They're doing all kind of repetitive tasks in the manufacturing world. But human robotics, there's a robot today on the market called Pepper, like salt and pepper from a company mm-hmm. called SoftBank Robotics. And go take a look at their Pepper robot. We actually have a couple here at the company where I'm working. Um, and you'd be amazed at how quickly human robots are approaching the sci-fi world. It's another emerging technology, but what's enabling those to work is all about the computer science, the programming that's kind of behind what appears to be a human. Did a quick search here on the, on the internet. Looks like you can actually rent a Pepper robot if you want to. You can buy one if you want. You can, you know, if you've got twenty-five thousand to spend, you can go pick one up today. Um, I've actually been trained on how to handle and how to interact with human robots, the Pepper human robot, and I I give demonstrations here in the area where I live uh, to high schools and elementary schools and and college students. So, John, so you're you're trained on the Pepper robot, so. You know, STEM Nation, um, John, where where are you located? I'm actually on the north side of Jack. In Mississippi, uh, in a town called Ridgeland, which is kind of a small hub of emerging technology companies. Okay, so STEM Nation, you know, if you're in the Jackson, Mississippi area, you know, go to John's LinkedIn profile. It's on the show notes. So just go to stemonfire.com, go to the show notes, and connect with John. And say, hey, we'd like to get a tour or get a get a demo of your robot in our high school. So take advantage of that. Awesome. Thanks, John. We're gonna change gears here a little bit, John. An aha moment. Could you take us to a time of an incredible aha moment that you've had that you turned into success? This is something that's very, very special. And it's probably the one thing that I will say that's that's valuable today. Let's call this my golden nugget for the day. The thing that I want your listeners to walk away with. This is it. Don't ever let anyone tell you you can't do something because you just don't have the ability. Don't ever let anyone tell you you can't do something because you don't have the ability. You be the one to decide that for yourself. No one else really knows what hidden talents or abilities you have within you that just haven't yet had an opportunity to explode into success. Let me give you an example. Much earlier in my career, I was working for the CTO of a major U.S. cable company. As a team, we took one of those standardized capability tests that are supposed to help determine team dynamics and recognize the capabilities of each person. 
the facilitator told me and my peers that we should all defer matters of strategy to this one guy that was on our team because he scored so much higher than the rest of us in strategy. Basically, Jeff, she was telling me I didn't have the ability to do any kind of significant strategic thinking. Well, <laughs> I could feel the hair on the back of my neck stand up as my nostrils began to flare with this suppressed anger. And I vowed under my breath right there in that meeting, I would prove her wrong. So I began an effort to redefine the video delivery system that was being used by the U.S. cable industry at the time. And as a result of my efforts, which were strategic, absolutely strategic in nature, I was awarded three patents in emerging technologies. A brand new joint venture was formed with the three largest cable companies in the U.S., created with $3 million of initial seed money to productize those concepts. And I successfully proved that expert facilitator wrong. The lesson to me, Jeff, was very, very clear. Never let others define your limitations. You are capable of much more than you even know yourself. You just need the opportunity and focus to unlock those hidden capabilities. John, do you think with, without somebody coming in saying, hey, John, you know what, you're not strategic. Do you think you would have gone off and done that without that fire that she generated uh, in your belly? You know, Jeff, that, that's a tough question to answer. Um, perhaps, perhaps I would have developed those capabilities over time. But I can tell you that, that, that having that challenge kind of thrown down in front of me gave me the aha moment, gave me that, that moment that said, no, I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I don't think that that's true. And I think that that really became the catalyst that started what, what was a huge moment in my career. John, that's actually come up on a, on a couple other podcasts and where one of the, one of the teachers in high school told a, told a lady that, you know what, women are not engineers. And she took that and like, I'm just going to prove you wrong. And she went off and got her PhD in environmental engineering. So yeah, you know, don't let anybody tell you that you can't do anything. You can do anything you want. Just, just go work at it. So in order to do that, John, you had to get through college and you went through, you know, through computer science, through the engineering curriculum with all the, the calculus, the linear algebras and whatnot. What's some advice that you would have for STEM nation to get through college? You know, I uh, I was a decent student. I wasn't great. I think I, you know, got like a 3.7 out of 4.0 in my uh, in, in my curriculum, in the computer science curriculum. Um, and I would give two pieces of advice uh, to the STEM nation. I guess the first one, probably the most important, is learn how to take good notes. Learn how to take good notes. This doesn't mean writing down everything somebody says. What it means is being able to quickly capture the essence of the concepts that are being presented and then write that down for retention and future reference. Uh, you, you have to be able to summarize very quickly. In other words, you're, you're listening to something, you capture the essence, and, and, and it becomes the golden nugget that I referred to earlier in the podcast, right? You, you kind of write that down. Um, write it down because it's there for retention and it's there for future reference. And in this day and age, we write everything down on computers and so it's searchable, right? We can go back to it and find it very easily. But 
learning how to take good notes is a skill that will not only help you excel in college, but it's actually very, very valuable in all sorts of life situations that you'll find in the future. So even today, in my career today, I attend many, many meetings. I don't have the time to write down everything that's said, but I do know how to take good notes and capture the essence of it. That's the first thing. Second thing that I would give you is have life balance. You've probably heard about life balance being referred to you know, by, by other people in the past. And basically, life balance is always it's, – it's about determining how to best balance the things you must do, like attending classes and studying, with those things that you want to do, like hanging out with friends, playing video games, or whatever. There's a happy balance between totally nerding out <laughs> and spending all your waking hours studying – and the other extreme, spending too much time with your extracurricular activities. But when you can find that life balance where you can have fun and you know how to, 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 to have fun and, and, and take a break and, and get your mind to kind of relax, but you still know how to work hard and focus, that's a good place to be. Because employers are looking for people who have life balance. I've reviewed probably thousands of resumes over my years. And... We look for people who not only are, are good technically, but also seem to have a good life balance. They have other things going on in their life. Yeah, John, and I'll, I agree with that. Taking notes, I mean, you know, I'm, I've been out in the sales world for many, many years and take a lot of notes uh, when I'm in meetings. And, you know, I still work and still struggle with, you know, taking good notes, taking, you know, you know, whittling it down. It's just what, what's really the meaning behind this. And, and that's a challenge. It's, right? it's a continual process for me. And, you know, what my kids do is actually use the, the surfaces and they, they write their notes handwritten on the computer so they're actually searchable as well. And the other thing that John brought up was life balance. And I'll, and I'll add something to that, a little twist to that called counterbalance. So you're in college, you're going to get out of balance because you're going to be cramming for a test and you're going to have big projects to do. And then you can, you can return back to, to, to working out, exercising, but you're going to go back and forth between, you know, working really hard and, and, and taking some time off. But even when you're working really hard, you do have to take some time to relax during that crunch time. So thanks for that, John. And we're going to take a quick pause and thank our sponsor, Audible, who's offering a free audiobook. You can head over to stemonfirebook.com. That's stemonfirebook.com to get a free audiobook of your choosing. If you decide to cancel within 30 days, there's no cost and you keep the audiobook. And John, it's lightning round time. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Build strong personal relationships. It's the key to influencing others without authority. And that is the key to being able to move from a technology career into a management career. And a personal habit that contributes to your success. It's real simple. Always do what you know is right, especially when it comes to how you treat other people. Just do what you know is right in every situation. And a favorite internet resource or phone app? Google. Man, the world of information is at your fingertips. Absolutely. And in, and in, and in case your listeners are too young to realize, this has only happened in the last few years. It hasn't always been that way. Google, favorite internet resource. And a book that you would recommend, John? Wow, so many really good ones. Um, you know, for, for an, an engineer, there's a book that I read early in my career called The Introspective Engineer by Samuel, uh, Samuel Florman, uh, really good book. 
Um, another one, as you move into the corporate world and you're working with teams and you're trying to figure out how do we make a team function well, the five dysfunctions of a team. Uh, great book. Yeah, that's on my, my list of books that I want to read. So thanks for that, John. And STEM Nation, John has provided tons of value along the way. But we're going to ask him for one more. We're going to ask him for a parting piece of guidance, and then we will say goodbye. STEM Nation, I would go back to what I've already said. Don't ever let anyone tell you you can't do something because you don't have the ability. You be the one to decide that for yourself. Whether it's doing that very, very first pull-up right, uh, in the gym or, or whether it's becoming a strategic thinker or whether it's doing something wild and crazy in your career that's really successful. No one else really knows the hidden talents or abilities that you have that just haven't yet had an opportunity to explode with success. So get out there and go for it. And STEM Nation, I'm going to add a little bit to that. There's a book actually that's called Talent is Overrated. So if you think, well, I don't have the talent, go read the book, Talent is Overrated. I'll put it in the show notes. I forget the author. But go take a look at that book. It's a very good book that'll help, you know, get your mind going that, you know what, I can do anything I want. I don't have to have necessarily a talent because I can go develop that. And John, with that, we will say goodbye. Thank you very much, Jeff. It's been a pleasure to be on the show with you today. You're welcome, John. I hope you enjoyed that chat today with John. Head over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player and share it with a friend. Tune in next week we talk with Michelle, who's a software engineer. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion towards a STEM career.